the Guardian. One, two, three, oh. Hello, I'm Vicky Frost, culture editor of Guardian Australia, and you're listening to our Adelaide Festival podcast. We're here at Womadelaide, uh, where we're listening to some Nigerian Afrobeat, courtesy of Femi Kuti and the Positive Force, who are instructing an enthusiastic group of festival goers on how to move best to this kind of music. So to paint you a bit of a picture, the dancers from Positive Force are up on stage with their bums face towards the audience, um, who are frankly mesmerised as they shake and swivel their hips to the music. Later in this programme, the band's frontman, Femi Kuti, who is the son of the late Afrobeat pioneer, Fela Kuti, will be giving some exclusive dancing tips for Afrobeat, so definitely stay tuned for that. And we'll also be stepping away from the Woe Madelaide stages to find out what's been happening at Adelaide Fringe, and we'll be hearing about a very introverted kind of sound project, quite the opposite to this, which is taking place as the rest of Adelaide bustles with noisy festival events. But first, let's hear from Emil Mathluthi, who is a young Tunisian singer whose songs became the soundtrack to the uprisings in her country. She's performing and giving workshops here at Worm Adelaide. Guardian Australia's Alfred Hickling chatted to her before she performed. So hello, Emil. Thank you so much hello. for joining us. Hi. Um, turn us a little bit about yourself, please. I, mean, I know you started singing very early age, maybe back age eight in, in, a, in a small suburb of Tunis. Yes. And then you, um, origi- your original influences when you went to university were kind of um, Western rocks so of Pink Floyd, Bob Dylan, Joan Baez and, and singing in English at that point. Yes, I started uh, for many years. At the beginning I was uh, listening more to uh, music from, from, uh, from England, from the States. And it was more uh, pop music first, and then rock music, heavy metal, grunge. Yeah. <laughs> I gather even a bit of goth, possibly. Yes, also. Yeah, yeah okay. I was I was listening to a lot of uh, bands, uh, like uh, In Flames, right. uh, <laughs> Dark Tranquility. <laughs> but the really important thing, of course, though, was when you actually transferred to to writing and performing lyrics and, and songs in Arabic. Um, and I believe you, you started by setting um, poems by the, well, your national poet, um, Mahmoud Darwish. Yes, um, um, I was very close to um, singers like uh, Sheikh Imam in Egypt mm-hmm. and uh, Marcel Khalifa. I mean, I was mm-hmm. very close to their music mm-hmm. and uh, to the things uh, that I was feeling inside, yes. um, the lyrics and... Yeah. Uh, I started uh, making covers of them um, from 2003 to 2004. Yeah. And of course, Marcel Khalifa was um, um, putting in music lyrics yeah. uh, from poems of Mahmoud yeah. Darwish. Yes. So it was yes. quite obvious, you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but the thing that um, to point out, of course, is that actually setting those lyrics was actually quite a... A dangerous thing to do, really, wasn't it? So it actually brought you under sort of state state surveillance, given the political situation of, of Tunisia at the time. Well, for me, it was very, very important to to find some comfort in uh, in music. These people were more important than all uh, what I used to listen to because they they were from the Arab region, 
So uh, I needed to have uh, somebody. I needed to have um, something I could believe in. Yeah. Uh, and that something was um, the music of, uh, of uh, these great Arabic singers. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't listen to the classical oriental uh, hypocrite yeah. <laughs> Arabic uh, yeah. s singers. Uh, I have so much respect for, for uh, a lot of them. But the very, very famous, like Um Kalthum, never, uh, never made me feel something. Yeah. Yes. So, what were the circumstances that led to you leaving um, Tunis and moving to Paris in about? Was it 2007, sometime around then? Yeah, between 2007 2008. Uh, because for me, I had to leave. It was very, very important to me to. Uh, to do music, to perform, mm. to record. Mm. And I couldn't really do that in Tunisia for two reasons. For sure, there were the political reasons because of the style of my music um, and uh, what, I was what I was writing. Uh, I, I didn't really think about, like, I'm in danger. It just uh, was impossible to, to continue um, in the shadow all of your life. I mean, in Tunisia, you could stay underground all your life. And, uh, and I, needed to, uh, I needed an audience to yeah. speak to. Yeah, yes. And you found maybe even a bigger audience than anybody could have anticipated um, because you wrote um, the song um, Kamti Horah, My Word is Free. Yes. What's the correct pronunciation? Oh, did I correct well. it quickly? Oh, thank yeah, yeah. you. I'm pleased yeah. about that. Because that song became, if anything, the one song that became um, the soundtrack to the to the Arab Spring. It became the political song, I think, of, of its era. How did you how how did you respond to that? Was it must have been a, a, an extraordinary thing. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible thing, and I wasn't expecting anything. I'm still not expecting anything. I just write songs, and uh, at the beginning, the the first years, of course, I was in a in a in a certain environment, so I felt very responsible, and I really wanted to push people to believe that they could uh, be responsible of their country and of themselves. Yes. When I, when I started uh, performing the song, um, for sure I felt, some, I felt some power, some great power when I was, every time I was singing the song, uh, and I always uh, was performing the song at the end of the concerts because the song is full of hope and a hope that is bigger than me and bigger than the stage. And, and it's, it's just something that could uh, put people together. So will you be performing it at the end of your concert tonight? Um, well, uh, maybe, maybe. Um, now, in my concerts, uh, I'm changing a little bit because uh, for sure when you, you're growing up and you're still uh, trying to go somewhere else and uh, musically it's going to be 
more into uh, creating sounds yeah. and soundscapes. Great. So we're really getting a preview here. We're really getting a, n a new taste of, of ML's new direction here at Womadelaide. Yes, uh, yes. I, I, I try to go uh, more inside myself. Um, it's maybe uh, a travel in my psyche and soul yes. <laughs> deeper than the first album. It, it's been a real pleasure to meet and I'm really looking forward to hearing you perform later tonight, Emil. Thank you. Thank you. It was my Thank pleasure. <laughs> Tunisian singer and songwriter Emil Mathluthi speaking there to Alfred Hickling. I'm Vicky Frost and you're listening to Guardian Australia's Adelaide Festival podcast. <laughs> now we're going to step away from the crowds for Madelaide now and take you somewhere quieter, much quieter. Sound Introversion Radio is a 24-hour internet radio station and, at the moment, a pop-up sound portal for Adelaide Festival. Guardian Australia's audio producer, Belinda Lopez, visited their introverted oasis on Rundle Street in the centre of the city. I'm Jason Sweeney. I'm one of the co-creators and uh, directors of Sound Introversion Radio, and I'm based in Adelaide. Yeah, so just in the background now, you can hear um, some of the raw sounds of um, East Terrace, which I went out and recorded. And then um, what I do is then I bring uh, that recording back into the studio and um, start to make a composition with it, like a quiet composition using drones and, um, yeah trying basically to complement the, uh, the, the, the sound of the street itself. And then uh, once I've done that, I try and do one every day. Um, and then I play that at 10 o'clock each morning. So it's like a special you know, gift back to the city, really, of the of their sounds of their city. What did you find yesterday that kind of inspired you or was surprising or new about the city? Well, actually, surprisingly, what was interesting about going on East Terrace in Adelaide is um, the remnants of the um, Clipsal 500, which is the big car race, which happens here the same time as the festival. And, um, you know, the, the strangest thing was like two days ago, it was the noisiest place in the city, you know, jet planes, V8 cars, the whole thing. And it was probably the quietest part of the city that I could find so far. So that was really nice to be able to to make a 15 minute recording of, of a, a very quiet space. You know, even there were virtually no cars even at around three o'clock in the afternoon. So um, I found that really surprising and quite beautiful considering the nature of this project um, that, you know, two days ago it was Rev Head Central and then <laughs> it suddenly became like almost a void of cars. Um, so yeah, and that kind of inspired me to make quite a melancholy, reflective piece of um, music with that, that sound in the background. Do you think in a place like that where there had been a lot of noise and now there isn't, there's something of like a noise memory? Absolutely, yeah, and that's, that's why capturing the audio um, of the city is really important to me and it's part of the history of um, what's called acoustic ecology where people go out into uh, cities and urban environments and, and collect these sounds so they can uh, yeah, have a memory of you know, the sounds that may disappear like the sounds of birds that might start to disappear from trees or um, you know, the fact that actually cars may um, not drive as much down that street anymore so that street becomes quieter over time you know what my what may have been a really quiet street 10 years ago is now one of the busiest streets in a city so um yeah i really i like i enjoy that 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 capturing like a photograph except it's an audio snapshot instead you know you're creating a um a sonic snapshot of a a, a very particular point in time 
and the other thing too, particularly with with that kind of recording, is to not for me is to not edit into it. So really, just to say this happened between you know three fifteen and three thirty on this particular day. Um, in the same way a photograph, you know, is taken on a particular time of day on a date. It's so interesting to hear you say that because not only is our world today quite loud, it's also very condensed. So the information we do receive has been cut down, has been minimised. And in fact, you seem to create be creating something that is the exact opposite. Not only is it quiet, it's also unedited. Do you find that the audience has even the patience for it anymore? Well, yeah, it's a really good question, actually, because um, one of the aspects of, of this project is about slow listening. And what I really want to encourage with, with this kind of music, particularly like what's called drone music or, I suppose, um, ambient music, is it really does um, encourage you to be in a space of... <laughs> Of, of basically stopping and pausing and actually, you know, taking, taking the time to, yeah, really not um, go anywhere and, and, you know, close your eyes and listen. It's a good example right outside the door of what we're, we're, you know, even while we're making this radio, you know, we have the sounds of the city spilling in here and, you know, to try and, and, and in a way, like, that encourages me even more to create music which tries to, um, you know, uh, quieten down people and slow them down. Um, but it's true, you know, I think in the way that I've seen people engage with the project so far is, um, you know, even people who come and visit the, the console up here um, is, you know, people will stay for probably no longer than five minutes at the most. But, you know, because we've got noise-cancelling headphones, you know, they can listen what is generally to beatless, expansive drone music. Um, and enjoy it for that five minutes but then say, look at their phones I've got to go I've got to keep moving so you know I would love it if people came here and sat for an hour and really just took the time to but you know most people don't have that time you know and uh, so yeah I guess that's why we wanted to make it 24-7 every time you go there it's almost guaranteed you're going to have that experience okay so what I think we should do now is actually create virtual noise cancelling headphones for our audience and actually just play them something straight without any sounds of the city so yeah. what would you suggest that we can we can play them straight well uh we could we could just play the radio station as it is right now and see what's online and and have a listen um how we do that we'd have to plug in a set of headphones and uh and and disappear for a while into the sound let's do it okay great Sorry to interrupt, just Vicky here. If you want to keep listening, go to Sound Introversion Radio's 24-hour-a-day online radio station. You'll find that at soundintroversion.com or check out their radiophonic workshop, which is open throughout the festival. You're listening to Guardian Australia's Adelaide Festival podcast, and I'm Vicky Frost. And now it's time for our daily wrap of... The Adelaide Fringe. The Fringe. Oh, the Adelaide Fringe? The Adelaide Fringe. The Fringe. With Jane Howard. 
I had another circusy day yesterday. I started with Carousel and Clothesline in the garden and I just wasn't there with this show. I thought that the artists weren't sure if they were making fun of people who take circus seriously or if they were actually taking circus seriously. Had a real weird mix of influences. There was a scene that was based on a Baroque French court. There was 70s disco. There was American rodeo. The children in the audience were really restless and so was I. About 45 minutes into the show, the clown character got on stage and said, right, that's it, thanks for coming to our show. And we applauded and were ready to leave. And they're like, oh, wait, no, there's more. Which I just don't think you can do unless it's a really brilliant show and probably not even then. Luckily, I had a bit better of a circus experience that night with Fright or Flight. I wasn't sure what to expect after that that afternoon, but it was one of the strangest, most brilliant things I have seen at the Fringe this year. I thought at first that somehow these artists had tricked us into buying tickets to see performance art instead of circus. It reminded me of a Sydney performance art group called Brown Council. It was a bird-themed circus with three women just being completely bizarre, but also being really good at the circus. I laughed the whole way through. The audience lapped it up and when we left there were kids taking photos with the performers. It was quite an experience. Then I finished the night off with some theatre, a show called You Want to Talk About It from an Adelaide company called Is This Yours? It started a bit sort of like a group improvisation or theatre sports. We were all given roles to do. I was cast as the media and I had to report on the band partway through doing this an event happens and it turns into this piss take on the 24-hour news cycle where they're just constantly talking about an event happened an event we can't confirm what the event was but we can confirm there was an event and the audience is invited to text in or tweet and different people are interviewed and we build up this collective commentary on what happened supposed to be sort of about the event but ours strangely became a conversation about what's better the Dewey Decimal System or the Library of Congress and how would you identify a red t-shirt lesbian. It was a really strange night then just before the end of the show it twists and it turns itself back on the audience and I didn't know what they were doing at first and when you realise what they've done at the end of the show it's really quite smart and we all stayed around afterwards having a beer and talking about the show which I think if a show can make you do that particularly in busy fringe time they've done all right. Carousel and Clothesline and Fright or Flight run until the 16th and You Want to Talk About It runs until the 12th. God in Australia's Jane Howard. And so as you can hear, we're heading back to Madelaide now, where uh, Nigerian Afrobeat band The Positive Force are still showing the crowd exactly how they should be moving their hips to the beat. Okay, so you take it slow first before you increase it. Audio producer Belinda Lopez asked frontman of the Positive Force, Femi Kuti, for some practical advice on dancing to Afrobeat. Uh, the, band, the dance is the Afrobeat dance, and the choreography you see is done by my elder sister, Yeni Kuti, and she's been dancing with the band um, from the beginning. So she's retired from traveling with the band now, but she still does all the choreography. So what you're seeing on the stage now is her work. And normally in Lagos, there are about 15 of the dancers, and she teaches them all this dance. She, she prepares them from the beginning, because most of them, when they first come, don't know how to dance. 
the dance it's because it's very special. It's about really about how to move your waist and to shake only your waist and your bottom. And so the dance really emphasizes on that to for your backside to have total control of your body and have a mind of its own, so to say. It looks very difficult. It's something that I think takes many years of practice. Yes, it takes quite a, because to become a master of it, like anything, it takes a lot of practice and you have to keep on doing it. They have been dancing, I think most of them have been dancing with the band now for at least seven years. And how do you think the crowd here, uh, how successful have they been in mastering the dance? For the first lesson, very good. First lesson, uh, but it has. Uh, if they continue following the band and continue, I'm sure they'll eventually be perfect. Well, perfect or not, we'll definitely keep working at it. Frontman of the Positive Force, Femi Kuti, and you can catch their show at Woe Adelaide on Monday. That's it from us. Tune in for tomorrow's podcast. We've been seeing some fantastic theatre and music at Adelaide Festival, and we're looking forward to telling you more about it. In the meantime, you can follow all our festival coverage through pictures, text, video and audio at theguardian.com slash au. I'm Vicky Frost and happy dancing. Thank you all, thank you all.